so we're I don't I don't we have kind of a big intro section so I'm kind of like let's just not banter let's, let's just get into this sounds great um, <laughs> if you guys are all right with that mm-hmm. all right That's our banter right there yeah this is like fi- final episode beast mode let's go that's exactly it's called, it's how Robin Hawk wrote these chapters <laughs> she was like you know what I'm just I just need to whip the rest of this out really quickly see look there's your banter let's go. <laughs> Welcome to Buckkeep Radio. We're coming to you from inside the walls. This is episode 80, The Rainwilds Chronicles, book four, Blood of Dragons, chapters 20 through the epilogue. And I'm Rachel, a rereader. I'm Alyssa, a rereader. I'm Jenny, and I'm a new reader. I'm Eli, and I'm a new reader. I'm Ashley, and I'm a mildly disgruntled new reader. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Elena, I'm a new reader. All right. Corrections, omissions, and announcements. Announcement, Belligerently Bookish has given us a discount code to share with our listeners if you would like to purchase the cool maps that we mentioned in our last uh, couple episodes. You can use the code BUCKKEEPRADIO for 10% off at belligerentlybookish.com slash store. And shout out to Baxter. Thank you for that. I hope they raise their prices. I know. The 10% off just takes you to the regular say, price. We told them, we said that they should increase their prices. And they're like, here's a 10% off. <laughs> but I also feel like we've officially, we've officially made it as a podcast because we have I know, coupon codes. sponsor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not. It's not really a sponsor. I it just counts, okay. I tagged them and they said, "Hey, that's really cool of you. Would you like a coupon code?" That's a sponsor. Said, sure. We don't get anything for this. We're no, just but other people do. <laughs> um, also, news announcement: Scientists have identified a dragon man at the bottom of a well in China from 150,000 years ago. Selden. Uh, <laughs> it's Selden. It was in a well, and also weirdly, it was actually found in the 30s, but the worker didn't want uh, any of it to be taken, so they kept it a secret for all this time before telling someone about so it. So I feel like weird. that's also yeah. gotta, yeah. So predictably, my computer it's... fan has already started. So apologies, dear listeners, it is hot. <laughs> yeah. It's hot everywhere. Um, yeah, Pacific but... <laughs> Northwest is dying right now. Yeah, we're, I'm actually like, you know what? It's 95 degrees in the city. I'm fine. Mm. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. I am melting. And my computer <laughs> is on fire. Just think of it as your own fan that's going. Yeah, you can imagine it. <laughs> it's there for the effect. Um, <laughs> we're, we're sitting in a pub that has fans instead of air conditioning. That's all. Yes, a pub somewhere in Calcingra. So uh, we do have some upcoming schedule stuff because we have ended the quadrilogy of the Rainwilds Chronicles. So uh, we will be re- recording two episodes to cover the last few of these short stories before we get into the Fitz and the Fool trilogy. Um, so some somewhere in mid uh, mid July, we'll drop an episode for Blue Boots, Cat's Feet, and Words Like Coins. And then in mid-August, we will drop an episode for The Willful Princess and The Piebald Prince. I know a lot of you have been emailing us and asking us to read that. We always play into This Is Now. And then we will not start Fool's Assassin until mid-September. 
We needed a break, everybody. So yes, you will have to. <laughs> you will have to wait, but we needed a break. <laughs> we need to wait till cooler times to record. To <laughs> True. And that brings us to mailbag. And we did get an email from uh, Yetta. Hello, Yetta. Haven't heard from you in a, in a second. Uh, there is quite a big spoiler in here. So we will cover most of this in the spoiler section. But I thought there was a nice intro to this. So it says, hey, everybody, you can't get through a series without an email from me. So I'm popping in just in time. <laughs> um. Reading the series with you guys really changed my view of the books. On my earlier read-throughs, I disliked pretty much every major character. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't get why Thymara liked Rapscal because I didn't really like him. And I guess YA romance isn't really my thing because it all seems like whiny teenagers to me. But listening to you guys made me see that Tats is also problematic <laughs> at times. <laughs> How do you not see that? <laughs> and pretty much everyone is at least a little in true hob fashion um skip that but <laughs> i am i am not ready for this journey to end again and i'm not looking forward to the podcast ending uh so yeah i mean eventually all good things must come to an end uh at the end of this uh Really great email. If you are into spoilers, you should wait for a spoiler section for us to cover this. Um, Yetta says, anyways, I hope you're all doing well. You guys always make my Monday better. I keep forgetting that Monday means a new episode, so it's always a great surprise. The way you write the summaries is hilarious. <laughs> I listen to you while out and about, and people keep looking at me funny because I always laugh. <laughs> so, thanks, Yetta. Cool. Yeah. Nice thank you. Email. Yeah, thank you. Any other announcements before we beast mode through our way? Our way Let's through? Let's get beastie. All right. I am up first with chapter 20 called Dragon Decisions. Not just decisions, Dragon Decisions. Well, I'm specific. sure we've already had a chapter called Decisions, so it's good that she's clarified. There are actually two chapters. <laughs> same book. <laughs> uh, we do have a content warning on this chapter for suicide. Uh, but I, I gloss over it. Um, we open this chapter with Thymara putting on some of Amarinda's special dragon skin silversmith gloves right on over her weird clawed dragon hands. Cool. Amarinda would be okay with that, I'm sure. Uh, why? Why is she wearing them? Well, they want to make a cap for the silver reservoir, and they need to do it with silver because you can't tell silver what to do with just mere wood. So it's time to work the silver, I guess. And I, again, I don't know why this is my chapter. I got, I got the one that no one picked. But I don't respect the silver. So I think it's like a weird thing. I'm not the person to tell the story of silver. Um, when Tats asks if it's alive, all I could think of was the water finger from the abyss. <laughs> so now all I think of is it's like some kind of alien life form that's been enslaved to make wood strong mm. with special magical gloves. So where was I? Right. Thymara isn't a natural silversmith, despite having Amarinda's sketch memories. But Hurricane, Alum, and Carson have this method on lockdown. Imagine if the only way to use your computer was to sing a ballad to Cortana. 
They talk about cascading hair for a while, and then that inspires Venom to stop rolling around his balls of mercury and become a wooden lid, I guess. I don't know. I don't know why I didn't turn into hair. I'm not <laughs> that part. I'm not. I don't get it. Then we go to, um, with Alum, to the hothouses to talk to Malta about growing flowers. And once again, this is not the chapter that I should have done. <laughs> Don't care about flowers. Uh, they're not going to, what I, what I learned from this is that they will not starve because Malta learned in the last trilogy to prep plant beds before planting time. And then Alum gossips about Skelly's plans like we care, but we don't. Uh, but what is interesting about this chapter is that Hob starts to think about all of the dragony inconsistencies that have been presented throughout these books. Like, do you choose the dragon? Does the dragon choose you? Can you be born into a dragon elderling relationship like Fron? Can you marry into it? Does anyone actually know? Are dragons just capricious and selfish? Yes. I wrote shellfish. (laughs) (laughs) Autocorrected to that. So Uh, back to Thymara, who is leading Tats on a walkabout through the city, starting at the map tower because it's the loading screen for (laughs) Kalsingra. I think that, frankly, she's giving Tats a lot of mixed signals in this whole walking date. It's like, do you love Rapscal? Yes, but not Talator. Oh, so you want to be with Rapscal? No. Okay, cool. Hey, Tats, will you walk with me to the Blockbuster to look at the porn that Rapscal and I used to look at? I have a thing I want to do there that I refuse to elaborate on. And then Tats goes with her, but I I implore Tats to have a little bit of respect for himself. Because, like, what are you doing? This is dumb. So Thymara ends up returning to the glowy, returning the glowy moon necklace um, to Amarinda's secret jewelry drawer, which is full of other priceless objects. Why don't you just take them? Uh, but for her, this is a symbolic goodbye to Rapscal via a rejection of Amarinda's love of Telator, I guess. And for Tats, it's a weird reminder that the girl he likes is full of someone else's memories. So what other awkward couple shit can we observe? Oh, Elise and Lefren. They have made it immediately to Kasserik, and I am not complaining about how they did that, but it seems like only a couple days has gone by, so sketch. After an- uh, they made it after a night of resisting prisoner rebellion, because it turns out that the Chalcedians don't want to be sentenced to physical labor in the rainwilds for their crimes of doing exactly what their own sovereign told them to do. So there was a fight, and it's sort of confusing, but TLDR, Big Eater, got hit in the head, and then Tarman was not successfully mutinied. Uh, so the crew pulls Tarman into the newly repaired dock while the locals gather to probably yell at them about dragon-related shit. And before business could be conducted, the Jamalian prisoners start yelling, and then the Chalcedian prisoners start yelling, and everyone is trying to represent themselves in the River Court of Law, and then the traitors definitely don't care because they only think traitors should vote, so no one's listening. And then in the end, the Chalcedian prisoners end up throwing themselves overboard to drown, chained together as they are, which disturbs everyone, but Lefteren is idly just kind of towing a smudge on Tarman's deck, and he sighs, and he says, well... Dragons are attacking Chelsea, so get ready for more drama. <laughs> and then the chapter ends. Is there no bird mail on chapter? Oh, this bird mail. So in bird mail, um, Eric uh, it gets uh, an email. I don't know why I called it an email. <laughs> he did. He got bird an email. Mail. All this time they've had email, but they've just been using these birds for, <laughs> for the hell of it. It just makes like a bird noise anytime you get. So if you've got mail, it's like squawk. Uh so Eric gets uh, mail from Kerrig, uh, who is the master of birds in Bingtown, basically saying, hey, um, 
on the DL, you're going to get this uh, official mail later, but I'm giving you a heads up that I've nominated you for Kim's job to be the Birdmaster of Kasserik. Uh And it's if this is my favorite part was if this is not something that you would take on, please notify me immediately via a Donwaro carrier like <laughs> like Eric. I think this is like flattery on uh, Carrig's <laughs> part. Uh, and then says, with pride in my former apprentice, Carrig. So I guess Eric did get a promotion on top of that extra money for breeding the cool Dunwaro birds. But then, like, what happens to Datozi? Does Datozi go with him and they're both bird keepers, or does she get demoted? She's a stay at home wife now. She's just baking pies. <laughs> Barefoot in the kitchen. <laughs> I don't like it. It's just going to be one big bird empire. <laughs> so can anybody tell me how silver works? Nope. I would never use silver. If this is the way that you have to work it, then fuck that shit. It took for fucking ever. And I don't have that <laughs> many nice things to say to anybody or anything. Yeah, if you have to, Concur. like, flatter and sing, then, like, nothing is getting done. That city would have taken yeah, them a billion years. I mean, if we could thrive on, like, negativity and cynicism, then, like, maybe we could strike a deal. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Right? I I know we've talked around this idea before, and apologies if we straight up said this before and I was just drunk and don't recall and think that this is an original idea. But I I was thinking that, uh, you know how, like, oil is, like, from organic matter from millions of years ago, maybe billions of years ago, that's like, you know, fossilized and becomes, uh, becomes oil. And there's that like idea that it's dinosaurs. I was thinking that it was like kind of the same idea, but it's dragons and they have memories and they're magic and shit. So it's like magic oil. Hmm. Dragon essential oils. Right, so it is a finite resource, is what you're saying. That's what I was thinking. A fossil fuel, if you if you will. Man, but they're gonna have a carbon problem. It's gonna be bad. The whole place is just gonna implode. (laughs) I mean, here's the thing: you don't have to burn skill, though, right? You just have to like flatter it. So I guess it's it could be off putting some gas. We don't know. I mean, it definitely has side effects. That are not unlike nuclear energy, I feel. But could you flatter those away as well? Right. Like, mm-hmm. oh, you've touched my skin, but you're so beautiful. And then it's like, oh, sorry, <laughs> and leaves off. Did you do that? Like, did you see the articles about how apparently gray hair is reversible if you just, like, stop being so stressed out? Oh, your hair well, will yeah. stop. I was born oh, with all? extreme anxiety and stress from the moment I existed <laughs> on this planet, so... I'm sure that'll yeah, work right. really well. Right. The me. idea would be that you get up, you get up and you look in the mirror and then you flatter. You flatter all your pimples and Oh, beautiful and... gray hair. Please don't leave my body. <laughs> <laughs> You're so silvery and beautiful, but you would look so much better if you were not silvery and beautiful. No more ludicrous silver hair. <laughs> I mean, I th- I think to some extent you can you know, reverse some of the like stress-related effects on your body, but sometimes there is also just natural aging that happens. Like, what are they saying? Like, 
old people are just really really stressed by life and so that's why they go talk to old people <laughs> no i think they i think the conclusion of the article was like for people in their 20s and 30s who are graying and I I believe this because I have gray hair that's like striped where it'll be like gray and then like dark and then gray. Mine again. does do that, it's but like, I always it, just assume yeah. it's kind of just like conking out, but hasn't quite died yet. Right. It's apparently stress. So it's really stress that ages you. So in a way, old people are the most stressed out. <laughs> um, but yeah, I it, it's interesting that it's like, okay, so you have to flatter it for it to work. It takes forever. Mm-hmm. I mean, and you don't even have to have a real. I mean, I guess, I guess they didn't really know what they were doing. So if, if you, if you're more skilled and you know exactly what you need, maybe the process goes a little bit faster. I wonder if they have like canned responses for everybody who's a silversmith of like these are the these are the scripts that we've just dis- discovered work the best with like the strongest like vocabularies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, like Faraday had the silver on his hands and was like doing like making the dragon, but he was feeding it his own memories. So, it, could he right. have flattered a dragon instead of giving himself to it? <laughs> Again, I feel as if the stone dragons are kind of horrible. Like they're <laughs> they're almost they're almost ruined for me. Now. <laughs> it's like they used to be these beautiful things that you put all of your essence into, and and you know you build something that was like your your inner self as a dragon, and now it's like really just art that you have to you could have just made if you had special gloves and a dictionary mm-hmm. <laughs> like, or a thesaurus, a thesaurus. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's, what's every synonym for beautiful and you know glorious and effulgent and radiant and you know just like go through entry by entry silver's not if you do enough of them silver's not going to know when you start repeating words right is it alive i don't get it is it just is it like a resonance is it do you just get it to start vibrating in the in the tone of like pleasant thoughts Mm -hmm. it's like how peter pan can fly (laughs) think happy thoughts yeah just think happy thoughts you can build a city you can build a whole city eventually that's why they have to live for so long they're really just slave laborers (laughs) yeah i I also liked uh, Tats's comment that maybe the city was never as full as yeah. it seems. Mm. But then why is it so big? Yeah. What? I mean, does everyone, well, everyone we just know build their own house? Yeah. <laughs> like, they don't want to live in a, in a house that echoes with anyone else's memories. So, like, every house is actually a record of, like, every elderling that ever lived. What a waste of skill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Isn't that a waste of silver to be like, well, you could just live in the house that already exists instead of making your own. But we'll just build a new house every... There's a housing crisis in Calcingra. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's interesting. It's... It's... I I mean, you know, every good magic system, you have to pay for it, right? It can't be easy, otherwise it's it's lazy. Mm -hmm. So... Silver can't be so like the dragons, you know, when they healed Tintaglia, they kind of just like spit on her with it, and she was fine. And that seems a little too easy. <laughs> um, so this is the payment, right? The time that you need to invest in into anything that is a silver, silver rot in order to make it last forever mm-hmm. and do all of the crap that it does. They also agree that Rapscale is not coming back. Yeah, I think yeah. he's a goner. 
Um, how so about that secret jewelry stash? Yeah, Jared's going to find that and be walking around wearing right? them someday. <laughs> and Talator will have a meltdown. <laughs> but why did they put all the porn and the columns out in the front of their house? Just to rub it in everybody's faces. What good to sex To make it they extra available. Like, like... They were exhibitionists. Yeah. They wanted everyone passing by to like. <laughs> this yeah, look at what we do. Well, <laughs> I mean, clearly, like their relationship was kind of one of those volatile, passion-based relationships. Who knows whether it truly had legs or not? Like to you know to go the the distance. But um, when you're in that sort of relationship, I I think there's also a strong. Um, desire to sort of rub people's faces in it like oh look at all the hot sexy sex we get to have oh i mean it's like the the is that like the elderling like equivalent of buying a billboard that says like will you marry me (laughs) it's a promposal yeah they did it just to freak Alyssa out because there's just a lot of touching (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm just here like ripping my fingernails off don't worry um I like that the I thought it was I thought it was a weird detail that the home of the silversmith didn't have a silver a silver wrought door that it was a regular wooden door like wouldn't wouldn't she you, didn't like to bring her, her, her work like home a, with her she just liked to you know but her her house was full of magic I don't know it just feels like it just feels like the the one thing about your house to show that you have this like elevated status should be like I have a have a silver wrought door maybe that's like, how people knew that people were silversmiths they, they had normal doors <laughs> they walked around with like their their weird dragon gloves i don't know if you spend all day like whispering how beautiful the silver is do you really want to like you know have a rough day and you just want to like walk through this fucking door but you can't because you gotta like charm it first <laughs> wasn't that like how howl's door from howl's moving castle where like his whole house is is magicked and can kind of like based on your emotions go to different places a little bit yeah i know in the i know in the anime it's like a it's like a a switch where it's like four different places but i think in the book there it's a little bit more complicated as i recall but it's that kind of like magic where it's not as it seems like very emotional and not as prescribed. Like you're right. Like, did they have a book of phrases that they could just say to get the silver to do whatever, or was it really each individual artist's inclination? And you have to come experience? from the heart. You have to convince the convince the. See, I could silver. never be a silver worker. It would know. It would yeah, know. Just full of shit. <laughs> and then it also like I wonder if some silversmiths were better than others. You know, like. Uh, yeah, their door's gonna oh, hold up sure. like a little longer, but like my doors last the longest. Right. Like, <laughs> I can, I make the most beautiful things. I can do the finest, mm-hmm. the finest detail work, whatever it is. Because I mean, they had to. These people who are working the silver, it seems like there weren't that many of them. But so much of their technology is built on like the lights, the way the roads were. I mean, like name a thing, like the teapots that heat themselves. Like all of that mm-hmm. needs silver to be cajoled into that into that purpose so 
maybe there were different levels. Maybe some people were basic like, home goods, others like were craftsmen, yeah. <laughs> others were architectural in nature. <laughs> right. Somebody was really good at like getting it to meld with fabric so they could make, you know, elderling robes. Mm-hmm. Do you it think just... the necklace maker looked down their nose at the road maker? Oh, no, you're just a road maker. <laughs> right, but those roads ended up being fairly important to the story as a whole. Because <laughs> they remember that they're roads. Well, that bridge that didn't hold maker. up, so they should have put more skill into that. <laughs> <laughs> that guy didn't really know how a bridge worked. He just kind of had a rough idea. It worked. It, it worked well enough for a while. He saw a bridge once in his life, and I was like, hey, "I can make that. I could do that." <laughs> float in the air? No, no, no. They don't float in the air. They don't. Oh. Oh. Okay. Uh, we also are now back in. Uh, I thought it was funny that um, Tillamon is going back into the society that she left, but refusing to wear her veils. And well, yeah, you know, she's, she's got there. a Kelsey sexy Kelsey. man who's yeah. confidence boost. She's telling her that right. she doesn't need to hide that that pretty face and all them jangly things on her chin. And she's given <laughs> right. them. She's, the you are, baby. she's given them the, the all like the eat a bag of dicks look with her eyes. Like, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. I left here. I found somebody. Well, she's there to recruit, right? Yep. She's there to to tell people, look how you can live if you come. Do you with have me. chin danglies? Come live with me. <laughs> <laughs> All wobbles are welcome. Are there other men for you to choose from? No, I got the one. But you know what? Come <laughs> on over, anyways. Yeah, bring your own man. I don't know. There's be, a distinct lack of uh, women, as has been the theme throughout this entire mm-hmm. series. So I feel like they'll be desperate. Yeah. That is that is true. There, I mean, there are men, and they and all they have to do is convince their dragon to uh, to make her forever. to make them chin wobblies like into a, a sexy knobbly teenage boy. So. Please come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, considering <laughs> how many of the the, the rain wilders don't live very long anyway, especially the ones who are heavily That's touched, true. like chances are anybody she's recruiting is going to be the right, roughly the right age bracket. That's true. And they need people to like plant all the. I mean, Malta, Queen of the Elderlings, is not going to be planting all the squash blossoms for everyone to eat, right? <laughs> yeah, like, especially now that Fran is like actually nursing and going to be on that tit twenty four seven three sixty five. Right? They need they know? need workers. They need they need janitors. They need. I just need Malta to know that there are these things called borers, and they will eat all of her squash plants and ruin everything. So just <laughs> be on the lookout. <laughs> What happens if you put I oh uh what happens if you one go going back to um what you said about Eli what you said about there being uh like skill in the environment you know like it's 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 in the water it's in the air it's in you know it's like part of part of the city right what happens if you have um if you grow plants in them and then you eat them, is that part of, is that? The, I think so because you know the I'm dragons saying? pretty much alluded to that. Like they said, like that's why when, when spit had his like two seconds of coherent dialogue, he was saying that like everything in Kelsinger, it was better because it was in the earth and it's in the water and it's in the things that grow there and in mm-hmm. nature and in the, in the, the animals that they're consuming that live off of that earth. So. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Right. That's why when you have a, a salad for lunch, you really feel like you're having a good day, you know, yeah. on, on point. <laughs> mm-hmm. So basically, silver really is mercury. It's a heavy metal that, you know, builds up in the environment. In <laughs> and it, like, just... It's you know, if it's in the plants mercury. and the animals eat it, and then it stays in the animals until they get eaten all the way up the food chain. Like, yeah. Magical okay. mercury. Yeah. We could be doing really cool stuff with mercury if we just knew how to flatter it. <laughs> I'm going to start eating tons Everyone of go fish. go to your nearest thermometer. Yeah. Get all that mercury in my blood and then just start wooing myself in the mirror every day. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, any anything else that we covered? I don't want to dwell on this, um, but just agree that Thymara was all full of mixed signals. Like, why couldn't she just tell Tats that I want to take this necklace of Amarinda's back to her house? Like, yeah. it was just weird it... to be so non-communicative. And yeah. It seemed like some kind of test. I don't know. Yeah. Can you trust me? And tests like that are kind of gross. If you have to well, put somebody to the test, what's with these people just like, going yeah. on these midnight walks? Like, can't they talk to each other? What do you want to do today? You know, like instead of just sleepwalking out into the night and expecting everyone to follow you around and like do everything. You, I don't know. It's weird because she got all uppity about the fact that you know Telator did that to her. I'm like, you're literally doing that to Tats mm-hmm. right now. He has no idea what's going on. He's just following you because he thinks you might fall down a hole. Maybe she didn't want anybody it's... to know where the jewels were hidden though. So she's like, okay, we yeah, gotta she do thought this. Drift so, might follow yeah, her. Yeah. Maybe. She certainly doesn't seem to want any of Amarinda's stuff, though. So, is she protective of it, or is she just kind of being like, all right, bye-bye? I can guarantee you that even though she says she doesn't want it, if Jerd was walking around town in that fucking moon necklace the next day, she'd lose it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) For sure. But, yeah, I guess it's safe in Amarinda's house because it's not a fancy house. Jerd would never go there and expect (laughs) to find anything. Well, and it seemed to be in, like, a... um, like a hidden, you know, it had like the hidden button. They opened up the right, bookcase. Had, yeah. Mm, mm-hmm. uh, let's go to chapter 21. That's me. Chapter 20. Okay, this guy's, this guy's, you guys. This chapter is so long and my summary is not very long. So I guess you could say I shall sped through it. <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> We start out from Rain's judgy point of view, and he's judging the route the dragons are taking like the world's first backseat driver. He's judging Rapscal because he deserves it, and he's being loud and a know-it-all, and he's judging Hebe for contributing toward Rapscal's knowing-it-allness. He's judging Jerd because everyone has done that in this entire series, so why not? And who knows how long they've been traveling, and who knows how long Rain has been judging, not I. <laughs> Kalo and Icefieri finally decide that the best time to fight over Tintaglia is with tiny, fragile, skeletal human elderlings attached to them. Tintaglia takes a nosedive, and Rain takes a nosebleed as she annihilates an entire herd of deer. Everyone catches up, and Rapscal starts talking like a Tolkien elf again. He's talking strategy, death strategy, and everyone is silent when he says, quote, I seen it. Dragon acid is heading for you. He tips his hat, spits, chews again. You better take a big breath of it in so you die real quick, like. 
<laughs> Shit, dude, <laughs> Rain says. They move on from that, and Jerd talks about being a replacement Amarinda, and Rap Skeletor does a hair flip and says, I'm like a Thymara, real housewife spin. I know what I don't want, and walks away. <laughs> Love the tagline. <laughs> Chasim and Selden make a suicide pact how romantic. A tuba interrupts. God, what is that? Selden asks. Nothing to do with us, Chasim answers. They don't play the tuba for important things. Uh, my new favorite scene in this book is the dragons flying over a pasture and a rusty farmer guy is shaking his fist at the sky as they go. And the next morning we get the Chelsea Day and Herald article headline, Old Man Yells at Cloud. <laughs> Rapscalator finally has Castle Grayskull in reach. Icefire and Murkor lazily argue about how to punish and destroy an entire city for the acts of its leaders. Uh-oh, they see some messengers. Time to go actually fast, I guess. Hebe moves to the front to be the lead goose, and Relpta is not having it, and surpasses everyone, which makes Icefire honk really loud, and now all the dragons are honking, and the Chelsea tubas are tubaing, and this is my hell. <laughs> <laughs> Selden and Chasim have their lovely soup interrupted by an entire dragon attack. I guess this is where we die, Chasim says, looking directly at the camera and live studio audience. The two of them share a weird first kiss for both of them before they die, because if Selden is terrific at anything, it's timing. Hmm, <laughs> he thinks. Maybe I should actually try, and calls for Tintaglia, who comes to pick him up. <laughs> Elton John over here singing at the piano during his own rescue. Rain helps both of them aboard the dragon boat, which is different from a live ship. I hope you brought a crown. Just seemed as a giant circle flip with her long ponytail. Because you just made me a duchess. <laughs> I didn't do bird mail. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The book's in the other room. I'm not going to get it. Bird mail was said. from Selden, and he was talking about how he's going to send a better message later, but he's going to stay in Kelsingro for now. Yeah, it was Essentially. It was a note to the reader that we just fast-forwarded and ignored large chunks of life. He's fine. <laughs> so do you think that Chasim knows that duchesses don't wear crowns? or <laughs> She's going to make it so. <laughs> She's gonna make it so. Well, I mean, she can, she can, she can wear what she wants after she did the weird like square, you know, headdress thing already. Like, is is that not a crown? Is that not a form of a crown? I'm saying she's got big Jessica energy mm -hmm. from Dune. Like she's, it's like her title doesn't matter. She has all the power. Yep, and they, I mean, they already think she's a witch anyway. So, you know, why not just? be full-on Bene Gesserit, so. Uh, my favorite uh, part of this chapter was when Rain, who was sitting on, like, a 150,000-year-old saddle, <laughs> a 50,000 50, feet in the air, looks down at his shitty old saddle and thinks, you know, this could break at any second. And I <laughs> have felt that fear. I have felt that fear. I know what that fear is like. I know what that leather sounds like. Have you ridden on a so dragon? I was with... I have ridden on a very old saddle that I should not have ridden. <laughs> it's like that scene in Return to Oz when they're trying to hold the gump together. Oh, God. That movie is so terrifying. Anyone else? It's great. It's my favorite. 
the wheelies. And then they have uh, they have like a weird little seat belt that goes like over their chest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's that? Which I imagined do? as a seat belt, like that just goes from <laughs> one shoulder to the hip. It has a red button that says push. Yeah. And that's that's what keeps them from dying. I liked when Cedric was like, "Well, Carson made me these extra little snap, like little straps, and I guess they're doing something." <laughs> little suspenders, so he doesn't fall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Icefire and and uh, Callow trying to. Tats and Rapscal, they're oh, all like, these men fighting over women. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's just like Tintaglia, just run, just fly away. Don't put up with that. I really genuinely don't know why they needed dragon riders because they didn't do anything. I think she was just like, you know, I have these dragons and no one's ever ridden one <laughs> except for. The six duchies, but see, I feel like that takes the specialness away from the six duchies dragons <laughs> that you can ride them. Mm-hmm. But there had to be some kind of inspiration for girl on a dragon. Sure, so I guess that does bring it all back. Well, and I, I guess also um, the the such a thing has been made of the bond between at least some of these dragons and their keepers, and like Relpta can't really function without Cedric. You know, so for her to be functional in a fight like this, she needs him there to sharpen up her brain. I suppose. But were the people really that integral to this fight? No, not at all. Well, I mean, maybe if the fight took place over more than just this chapter or something and wasn't at the very end of the book, they would have played more of a role. Like, I guess Ray needed to be there to, like, give him a hand up but that was really yeah. it <laughs> yeah it's like oh i'm gonna make these people who definitely don't know how to ride a dragon ride a dragon all the way back and maybe i should put a saddle on them oh i mean i don't know it's a cool visual <laughs> yeah but i mean it, it it is definitely narratively pointless like what purpose was served by people coming along none I guess it means that Rapskull can then just, like, take over Chelsea. Well, I do have to say that at the end of the day, I think that the dragons in uh, Game of Thrones could kick the dragons in Roteland's butts. I don't know. They have acid that disintegrates stone. Like, it's kind of legit. Yeah, but we're... They... When Rapscal said, sometimes you have to fight on the ground while your dragons fight in the sky, I was like, oh, so they're not that scary. Because in Game of Thrones, you can't fight on the ground. You die. If you're on the ground, you're not helping. <laughs> I can't believe Ice Fire is named that and doesn't breathe ice or fire. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> he is the song of ice and fire. He oh, is a <laughs> He's a Maybe the acid's really cold uh, <laughs> as it's eating away. <laughs> I mean, I'm glad that Selden was, I mean, rescued. I guess rescued. Is it a rescue? It wasn't really a rescue mission. I think I would have enjoyed a rescue mission more. Like yeah. Like heist or an invasion. They would have or... had to know he was there and yeah. they were dumb. So. This motherfucker is well, finally like, like, oh yeah, I can talk late, to my dragon. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, who knows what, you know, maybe Tintaglia could have reached him if she were healed and healthy and trying. Um, right, because we've established there really isn't a distance problem. But even when he mm-hmm. was like, oh, those are other dragons, but not my dragon. I'm like, you can still talk to dragons. So, like, wouldn't you at least ask them? Be like, yo, I'm, I'm a dragon guy. Like, could you help a brother out? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Have you seen my dragon? Instead, he's like, oh, those just those other dragons. Yes, we need Dragon to jump. on the skill milk carton. Yeah. Yeah, like, all you had to do was, like, flash yourself on the balcony and, like, I'm an elderling. Like, come, I'm a dragon singer. Right? Like, oh, beauteous ones. Oh, masters of the yeah. sky. Masters of the three realms. Like, come, come and save me. <laughs> Think yeah. how good Selden's going to be good at making pot lids with silver. He's going <laughs> to flatter those pot lids so hard. <laughs> it's going to be infuriating. He's going to... He's gonna Maybe. make Chasim a, a crown that will like never, never stop shining with silver. That's oh, gonna be the only thing he ever be... makes. Maybe distance does take effort, but we are only seeing it with these people because they don't, they don't, they're not like naturally talented with the skill. They just they're not, not have all... a little bit of little bit of skill rubbed off on them from a dragon. Whereas they're not with, metal like... having skill dreams with Tintaglia and daring her to do things. Oh, using reverse psychology. How come Nettle's not an elderling? (laughs) (laughs) Nettle's like, I'm skilled. I don't need to be an elderling. So was this the chapter where we got a good glimpse of what the dragon's strategy was and like what it did to the city or is that kind of in the next one? No, this is all we got. This chapter gave us little tiny snippets. Yeah. So to answer... Uh, Alyssa's question from a couple podcasts ago what scene would you want to see like this one I actually kind of loved their strategy that we're just gonna like acid the shit out of the castle and the grounds and the walls and leave the rest of the city alone because we presume those are innocent people and it's really just the duke and his um, court of you know idiots who follow him and do what he wants that are inflicting terror on everyone else so but I thought that was a cool visual to have like this, just this collapsed pile of rubble, this perfect circle of like dragon acid eaten stone and in a city that's otherwise untouched. And they did it like in the concentric circles, kind of like narrowing it and everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. I mean, good, good way to um, build a city that's dragon proof. Just make a really cool castle that looks like people important live there, but no one does. Right. (laughs) If you're attacked, if you're attacked, you're like, well, they attacked the empty castle. We're good. The Duke actually (laughs) lives in like a rundown house in like the outskirts of town. I mean, that's how Calcingra works. That's how Calcingra works. Yeah. The important people live. All the the... important people live in the bullshit area. So they should know better. But I guess all of us who predicted that, you know, the Duke and um, Counselor Ellick would die. Yeah, that, that came true. That wish that wish was gratified. They did. I wish we'd gotten a POV from them. I mean. In the end. I wish we'd gotten a lot right? more at Can the you end still of this use... book. <laughs> Can you still use those skill pillars? Like. Because mm. those were. They could have been useful. If they knew what they were. I also like that this is an extension of, um, I don't know if it was in this chapter or in a, 
another chapter in the section where they talk about how the the wars have haven't they weren't new they had always existed people had always been at war um and chelsid was the end kind of like the decline of a of a society that had come up specifically because they hated dragons like that's why they hated dragons because they had been at war with them since before time Mm -hmm. was recorded like before they could remember and you know they had like this nice little reprieve but the dragons had the last the last word good for the dragons chelsea sucked Uh, it's, it's, it's not, it does, it does not bode well for diplomacy in the next era. It's like, don't fuck with the dragons. They will come and acid your entire city. And that's that. They don't want to talk to you. They want, they don't want, <laughs> they, they don't want to know why you sent somebody or like, what if you wanted to like fuck up like Buckheap or Buckheap, uh, the, the king of, of the six duchies could just hire people to fake it to be like I'm a Chalcedian assassin <laughs> and like send them to Kelsingra or like I'm a Jamalian assassin and send them to Kelsingra pit and just rile up the dragons they don't even need to like wage war on their enemies mm-hmm. it's not like the dragons <laughs> ask questions it's a brilliant strategy <laughs> this is how I'm going to rule the maybe world. they'll collaborate beautiful? a little bit with their elderlings to be like yo like what's is this I guess that's a reason to have the elderlings on their backs is so that they can have some human interactions Unless it's Teletor, in which case you're just out of luck. Right? Well, was, and, but Teletor was a soldier. He wasn't like a policymaker. He wasn't like a prime minister. Right, anything. which is why if it's Teletor, you're out of luck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, maybe if Rain's there, like you've got a chance. Or Selden, but. Rain was just like, well, I have a, I'm here now. <laughs> <laughs> Look over there. <laughs> like, uh, Anyway, that that roller coaster will be one of those dueling coasters where you're each on the back of one dragon and then they'll go through and you can throw like acid spit at each other and it'll be fun. You should just go through like some occasional mist and be like, Oh, you gotta cover your face, you're gonna get burned and <laughs> breathe it in. Yeah. <laughs> it's alcoholic mist. It's great. <laughs> We just pepper spray. It's really we just pepper spray everybody who goes on that one. We just pepper spray everyone. You have to sign a waiver. Awful. Horrible. We Roland is going to get shut down in like two seconds. No, no. We'll do it in a country that has very lax laws. (laughs) And that isn't litigious. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, we'll need it. Um, let's, uh, Let's hit chapter 22. Chapter 22, summer, or summary time. Uh, we're on the decks of the Paragon, all of a sudden, with Elise, Leftrin, Althea, and Brashen discussing the events that have transpired in our handy little time jump over tea and then coffee. We learn that the dragons have reduced the Chalcedian capital to rubble in the One Day War and have backed Chasm's Duchess. She is also keeping up the, tr- the tradition of harsh Chalcedian punishment, but she's on the side of the dragons now, so it's okay. Also, Rap Skeletor stayed behind in childhood with his two shadows, Case of Boxster, along with that delightful Nortel to help manage things. Althea and Brashen also get the Cliff Notes version of the Selden story, 
for this quartet and are appropriately horrified, but it's fine. He's healing in Kelsingra. We also get a brief accounting of what happened to the hostages. Namely, that that sneak Candrel who went uh, back on all of his promises and tried to make out like he'd done nothing wrong. So everyone is now like, fuck Kasserik, they're never getting any trade from any of us ever again. Um, speaking of, we also learned that the uh, impervious ships got named. Uh, we have Warkin after that one keeper, no one remembers. And uh, the White Serpent after Moby Dick, and it's really it's sweet because, you know, the dragons do remember their serpent days. Um, we also learned that Paragon hates chickens. Uh, <laughs> that Leftern might foster Boyo on, a tar- on Tarman for a trip or two. And that live ships are apparently adequate ovulation calculators, which is something I did not need to know. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, from ship to shore, we go as we check in on everyone's other favorite ship, Cedric and Carson, who are perhaps mm-hmm. poised to become the official bird keepers of Kelsingra, maybe by default. I mean, they can't be any worse than Kim. Cedric at least seems to be able to calm a bird long enough for Carson to get a message tube off its leg. It's for Cedric, from one of Hest's friends. Apparently there's a substantial reward out there for news about Hest, but guess what? Uh, Kylo is still all XOXO, that's one secret I'll never tell. And you know what? <laughs> Cedric doesn't care. And that suits Carson just fine. <laughs> Besides, they have to figure out housing for the chickens that Paragon hates. <laughs> Lastly, we move on to Tats and Thymara watching dragon porn. Well, Tats is watching. Thymara just wants to go exploring, because really, is there any need to watch this nonsense more than once? Ah, uh, Thymara. <laughs> always relatable. In summary, Kylo has officially won the Thunderdome battle and is worthy of being Tintaglia's <laughs> mate, and Icy Hot needs some Icy Hot to tend to his wounds. <laughs> Our other budding couple is Centara and Murkor, who has finally managed to catch her. Speaking of catching, though, Tats tries to catch Thymara, but she goes running off toward a ravine and leaps off the edge and proves Centara wrong and actually flies for all of two seconds. Of course, she immediately throws herself one last pity party because she sees Tats literally run away from her and thinks it's because she's weird looking, but it's fine. He just needed a running start and apparently no wings to get across the same ravine and do a nifty somersault and literally (laughs) crash into her. I meant to do that, he says, and then they kiss because Rapskull is no longer a viable option, so this love triangle is over. The end. They do more than kiss. (laughs) We're ignoring that. It's fine. We're moving on. But we we, we get a fade to black. (laughs) It was all a dream. (laughs) I mean, the fact that Thymara didn't fly. First off, Thymara should have flown into battle, like a Valkyrie or something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That would have been cool. Centaur would have been like, I don't know, Dragon Rider. Or like, like, I'll fly myself. Something. (laughs) Could she actually open her wings inside that well? How big is it? It sounded pretty big. Yeah, instead she just got more of, like, a glide that wasn't really flying. That was just... Whatever. It's a controlled fall. We'll not try to shit on her good feelings. I just like that Tats can get across the same ravine without any wings. He's very tall. (laughs) (laughs) He was very motivated. Right? He's like, oh, I'm gonna have sex. Because he's hornball dragons (laughs) spewing all their hornball feelings all over everybody. Oh, God. That was a well, really clearly... long section for this tiny chapter. I was like, why is this still going on? <laughs> yeah, we don't because... need the actual dragon consummation. Well, like, and to why, tell us that they've had that sex necessary? six times, like, do I need to know that? I don't. I don't. Like, that's not important information. We get four seconds of battle into fucking Chalced, but she's like, oh, let me tell you about this dragon sex for a minute. <laughs> 
<laughs> Calcingra is like, uh, remember those airbrushed dolphin unicorn folders? You mean Lisa school? Frank? Lisa Frank. Lisa Frank. Thank you. Calcingra is like this like sexy Lisa Frank <laughs> reality in which all these magical beings just float around in like this big chaotic fuck fest orgy and mm-hmm. or yeah that's the word it's like a frisetta <laughs> painting but with lisa frank yeah. colors <laughs> yes um i love that earlier in this book they were talking about how and Chell said they'd be able to get some ass if they like stuck around because like I don't know women would be fawning over them or something. And then Rap Skeletor stays with Case and Boxer, Boxster, Box, Boxster, <laughs> um, to get some ass. They're like, oh yeah, they're just gonna stay and like oversee some things, and, like make sure everybody stays in check. It's like, no, you guys already said it's just because you're trying to get some. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Well, I mean, wasn't, like, Rap Skeletor talking about how he knows, like, how to, you know, how women fawn over the elderlings? So, like, he knows what to say and how to present and, yeah. Gross, gross, gross. I just, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when I think of a a stretched out Gumby man with an extra long neck and... And scales. Extra long... Red scales. Red scales and bad attitude that's it that's that's swoon like a stretched out ninja turtle that's what i like (laughs) right (laughs) maybe that's not the only thing that's longer yeah but does it have girth because that's important too (laughs) oh my god i just think of uh like like jack skellington like it's just like these like long yeah skinny skinny yeah no no, spindly is not is not the way. I don't know. I guess it, I guess it's gonna work for them. I don't know. Paragon's um... back, and well, he hates chickens. The... <laughs> Which I mean, I think that's rude because chickens are lovely. Is it because they can't control where they poop? Yeah, Probably. he doesn't like them. Neither can Paragon. Spent right? <laughs> they could make little Par- tiny chicken diapers. Little cloth diapers. They do make little bird diapers. They're very useful if you're into birds. And that's the kind of courtesy that a live ship should actually be offered, honestly. Because yeah. if they're if they're absorbing every bodily <laughs> fluid, then really we should not be defecating on the deck. Agreed. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah. Make sure the loo is made of regular wood, please. I think the loo is just a hole out over the ocean. I think you just hang your mm-hmm. ass over the side of the railing and yeah. hope it doesn't spray back, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's why it's the poop deck. <laughs> It's located near the bumper sticker that Boyo put on Paragon that says, Who saved who? Who rescued who? (laughs) Aww. Poor Boyo. You think Boyo's going to grow out of that? What is Boyo's real name? It's not Boyo, right? Boyo. Uh Uh-oh. No, that's not somebody. (laughs) 
That's it's that's they're on the, like that's the driver's license name for this child is boy dash o. <laughs> Not the only boy o we've met in these books. We've covered this. This is a legitimate name in the in this world. I don't I remember this well at McLevin. all. I don't remember another boy. I don't stand for it. Boy o. The there is another boy o. Who's the other boy o? I can't remember, but we oh. I remember finding it. It was oh, in God, spoiler so talk, I think. Oh, okay. Um, it was in the spoiler section. I think maybe in live ship. Or no, was yeah, it maybe it was like a Chelsea. It's it was... just rude because even if this child was technically born as a male with a peen, like they might choose a different path for their life, and to name them Boyo, I'm not okay with it. Then they just shorten it to O. Bo. <laughs> then they just call him Bo. But why isn't it Boyo Boy? <laughs> Too long. They just keep going. <laughs> Won't boy, fit on oh, a boy, scantron. Oh boy. boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy. Boy, oh. I mean, that is lazy. <laughs> well, you know. And boy, oh, was his name. Oh, if, 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 that, if that is his name and not just their affectionate nickname for him, again, Robin Hobb names you after the role that you play. Are you Tangle Taglia? Are you, you know, Dead Man Walking? Are you Tiller Man? Are you Selden the Lizard Man? Are you a boy? Okay, your name is Boyo. Your role is to, like, be the (laughs) boy child. His blood type is (laughs) O-negative. You just don't want him to forget. The negative is silent. Now, actually, I'm pretty sure they, didn't they name her after... The um, dash just comes before, so that's the uh, minus. Yeah. I, I feel like they named her after, named him after, like, Althea's grandfather or something like that. So not Efren, but something, like, the the one further back. I mean, um, I'd take Fran over Boyo, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fran and Boyo Everybody compare are, notes about how All the descendants of this family are just, like, yeah, just shitty fucking names. Uh, did we get bird mail on that? No. No. Bird mail is just what, you know, Cedric got. Oh, right. Okay. Yes. Mm. So they have a job now. Yeah. I mean, he seemed sort of good with the birds. Yeah, he seemed like he was kind of a, a bird whisperer, so I feel like that might be his calling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's going to have intimate relationships with all the little birdie friends. He'll find his very own two toes. Two toes. They better have a statue of two toes made stat. I do like that he just doesn't care about Hest. Nope. I mean, that's good. At least, at least it's been made clear that neither Elise nor Cedric is suffering anxiety about Hest's disappearance. And, you know, God bless him for it. I'd be fucking anxious about that for decades. Yeah. Do you think in, like, Gar- a hundred years... Garbage week, endings. Do you think, like, in a hundred years, Kala will be like, oh yeah, I ate him. <laughs> in a hundred years, Kala's gonna say, like, one thing, and it's gonna be like, what? Where did you learn that? He's like, oh, I ate an asshole once. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we solved the mystery. <laughs> he tried to call me Blue Glory, and that was the end. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't let him live after that. Here's the thing, though. He ate Hest, so secretly he likes it. He likes Blue Glory now. 
Because oh. Hess oh. liked it. He'll, he'll tell Davy one day, he'll be like, call me Blue Glory. Like, <laughs> today I'm Blue Glory for just, just you know. Uh, that is, oh, we did get the, um, uh, we also got the cameo from Althea and Brashin, just to remind everyone that they're still here. Mm-hmm. And the reminder that um, Elise and Leftrin are now on track to a successful breeding program of an heir because uh, Parag- not Paragon, um, Tarman. Tarman has taken control of notifying her of her fertile uh, windows. But see, that's it's also confirmation that Leftrin is indeed high society. Yeah, because mm-hmm. he not you know he we he's captain of the Tarman, but. Hanging out with other captains of live ships, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. vacation spots for live ship heirs. Like, yep. Yep. Elise could never have done better in her wildest dreams. <laughs> Correct. Way, way, way upgrade from Hest. She probably gets her stuff back. Uh, I wonder before... if she'll ever actually talk to her parents again and be like, look. I'm the head of a live ship family. <laughs> yeah, they probably write her a letter every damn day. Right. <laughs> yep. Ashley, were you, um, I'm going to assume that you were not uh, satisfied with, with this ending. It's just, it's so typical. It's just like the last book that we read where dragons were released to save the world. It's like, oh yeah. And the dragons were relieved to save the world. And then it was saved. And then, okay, bye. I, to me, it remind you know, so the beginning, remember how at the beginning of all the Clone Wars cartoons, it's like a fake news broadcast where they like summarize something that happened that like didn't actually happen in any of the episodes you saw. And then you kind of like come in mid action. Mm. I feel like that that's how Hob ends everything where she kind of like she tells like the more intimate story that she wants to tell. But then like the big like sweeping yeah fantasy stuff she's like i'm gonna just do a bull a news bulletin on that like you're gonna hear it from someone <laughs> it was else. legit like bullet points or... for these chapters yeah. uh-huh. i don't know i just and she does it time and time again i don't know why i'm still well, so disappointed like fit, by you... it because i know that that's how it's gonna be <laughs> but it's just like a little infuriating that yeah she spends all of this time on like all of these little relationships and some of them are nice to read about and other ones are whatever and then like the big stuff where we have questions she's like oh yeah and then that happened and then, like yeah don't worry about that like we got that wrapped up it's fine it's just like whatever yeah, that's like that's her niche right where she's like oh i tell fantasy stories on the small scale with big stakes character driven points points of view and like if you want if you want to read battles or war or like magic school systems or like any of that kind of stuff that's popular she's not she's not that person for you she occupies this other this other she, place and she, she fades it out like as soon as things start to get like actiony it's just it just fades away yeah. she's like yeah, she's oh were you like expecting like, like a core fantasy <laughs> yeah it kind of is. If you were expecting like a great battle scene that's gonna last like a full chapter let alone like maybe on a couple drivers like that's never gonna fucking happen yeah, but at the same time, we could have had less dragon fucking and, like, I don't know, maybe a little bit more Selden and Chassim 
like wrap up instead right. of just this dangling like oh they'll probably like he'll probably go back to her and and like do what he's a fucking I'm dragon with, with a relationship to tintaglia is he gonna move to chalced and be her consort or like is are they just gonna be pen pals and like, he's just gonna live have... in a tower and sing to everybody on a megaphone every morning that's how he's gonna wake up the town <laughs> like a prayer it's just like it's like tintaglia is lucky because she now controls the rulers of a vast amount of territory on this map. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. she has a contact in the six duchies. She has a contact in Chelsea. She has a contact in Kelsingra. She you know, like she knows people who rule the pirate islands. Like all of these people are in her pocket. Yeah. So mm-hmm. like what is Tintaglia's plan? Or is this just her right she, as she, a dragon? She could care I think it's less. just her right as a dragon. Yeah. I don't think she really yeah. cares. Yeah. She's, just... she's not a queen. She's the queen. Yeah. Right? Empress of the known <laughs> world at this point. <laughs> and I just I would I wanna see her I wanna see her. Her Soromon metal mind of gears. Like, what is her? <laughs> what is her plan? How is she going to leave this world better than the one that mm. she dropped into? Is that mm-hmm. that may not be the dragon way? But I would hope that someone of her influence has standards, yeah, and not just selfish impulses. It just might not match up with our own. Yeah, it's lots of cattle. <laughs> All right, we want to do this epilogue? Yeah. It is. All right, so the epilogue called Generation. Tintaglia wakes up for a nap and she's like, okay, these eggs are cooked up. I'm ready to squirt them into a hole on the beach. (laughs) So she lets the guys know and then they have to do like a Mori kind of like, you are the father. And so it's Ice Fire. He is the father and Kala's like, that's fine. I won't squish all the eggs. It's cool. It's cool. So then Tintaglia is just floating around and she's like, today, today, today's the day I'm going to squirt my eggs. And um, I kind of highlighted a paragraph that sums it up. Um, Selden, of course, has to sing to her. And it says, the queen rises, the blue empress Tintaglia, she of the wide wings touched with silver, she who led the serpents to Kasserik, she who fed the first of the new generation, eldest of our queens and wisest, bravest, always cleverest. And I'm not even sure if that's a word. Wide-winged Tintaglia goes to the nesting ground. And she does. She's going to peace out and go to the nesting ground. And then Malta lifts baby Afron over the railing of the tower, just like Michael Jackson did with baby Blanket all those years ago. And she's like, yep, today, today's the day. And then we end the book. (laughs) Also, like... Okay, how fucking weird is it that, like, I'm going to go give birth. Let's throw me a fucking parade, have the entire city come and witness and listen to this song. And until you guys do that, I'm not going. Like, the fuck? Flaunting her gross fertility all over the place. (laughs) Disgusting. I mean, like, I don't know. I guess mammalian birth is super different. But the last thing I fucking wanted was a goddamn (laughs) parade. parade. On my way to the hospital. It's oh, her baby no. shower. It just happens at a different time. <laughs> I mean, I guess, I guess that's fair. But, but let's talk about let's weird. talk about the the spawning grounds. I was gonna say, Do are the to? evil slug people still there? <laughs> the abominations. Mm, I mean, like, is she gonna take them out when? Off. Is she gonna take them out when she gets there? Like, don't fucking touch my babies. They're gonna have a pleasant surprise. There's nobody <laughs> here. <laughs> <laughs> 
there's a lot of crap on this beach. Like some like an old <laughs> clock and dead tire blue iron, kittens, alien kittens. <laughs> Bizarre skeletons. We never did get an explanation on those fucking kittens, by the way. Like, what the fuck? Nope. <laughs> just, just a random disturbing visual for us to <laughs> carry with us until the day we die. Dead kittens in a bag. And why are the others afraid of them? Who fucking knows? They just are. I mean, okay, so I have a theory. Maybe maybe it's this whole, like, Kahlo's, like, blue glory, even though he's black. And so it's, like, you know, this black-blue raven kind of effect. So maybe they were just, like, super black kittens and so then you know like have, have you guys seen the movie u-turn and what happens if you run over the black cat of like ill fortune and then your life just goes to fucking shit they're just really superstitious but <laughs> so maybe they have, like three eyes and horns and stuff like they look uh, like yeah. people eaters they were like yeah. little furry people eaters yeah but maybe they were like actually like bl- black cats and they were like blue black and so they were calling them blue and we're all yeah. picturing like easter egg sky blue like where the fuck did this right. come from but really it was meant to be like black blue like raven blue kittens i can get on board with that it's so maybe fucking weird. one of the others just made the rest of the others watch cats 2019 too many times <laughs> <laughs> like, oh god no oh god no what happens when the other i mean tintaglia is the first of this new generation right but she's maybe the least connected to her humans Mm -hmm. what happens when these some of these dragons that are like more connected to their humans start to breed are they breeding more others will there always be others i don't know i feel like I mean, maybe, but it, I feel like Hob did a pretty good job of, of showing how most of the dragons pulled back pretty far once they could fly, because all the keepers were, like, moping around, like, oh, my dragon doesn't need me anymore, I'm fucking depressed and, like, <laughs> sad that I've lost this bond. Maybe. You know, she could have spent a chapter trying to suss some of this out for us, but she didn't. Yeah. important. <laughs> but No. If I go to a Robin Hobb panel, I'm just going to say, ma'am, why do you hate finishing your books? (laughs) (laughs) At least she finishes them enough to publish them. True that. Burn. Sick burn. I, I feel like her, these stories are more like walking into a room where a song has already been, has already started and then like walking out of the room before it ends. And it's like, but if you liked that, that was... song, that's really annoying and frustrating. Because <laughs> you're like, I want to know more about that song. Who wrote that song? I want to look it up on Spotify. And it's like, oh, sorry, you can't. Oh, no, here's, here's, here's a better you phone analogy. the song to your phone. It, it's like when you're pulled up at a stoplight and you, you have your window down and the person next to you has their window down and they've got this fabulous jam on. And like you, can, you get to hear like maybe half the song at the, at the light. And then they pull away and you're like, fuck what was that that was that was good shit that was good shit rude it's all just rude i still enjoyed these books though um dragons sorry dargons are gross and (laughs) (laughs) i still don't hate them as much as rachel hates them uh the teen angst was super annoying and yeah I was not bothered at all by the uh, teen angst, by the way. That was no. Fine with me. 
The reason I hate the dragons comes in the next series. Spoiler, right? Spoilers. <laughs> dragons are assholes. Spoilers. <laughs> I, know. I was like, is that really a spoiler? <laughs> no, well, obviously not. Um, I did like these books more than I thought I was going to because I was kind of dreading reading them, but then I read them really quickly. I don't think, I think they should have been two books. I think yeah. it was two books. <laughs> Just split it up into I don't four. know why this shit got broken into four books, but that's absolutely bananas. Because, like, the end of the first book and the end of the third book just end. Like, mm-hmm. there's no, it, it doesn't try and tie it up at all. Like, at least at the end of the second book, like, they get to Kelsinger, like, they've made it somewhere. Mm-hmm. What I thought was maybe because they are sort of younger skewed with younger protagonists and they are like the pseudo YA books in in her you know extended series that perhaps this is not true anymore at all. But at one point, YA novels were generally not as long as mm-hmm. like American mm-hmm. fantasy novels yeah. tended tend to be. Um, so maybe they're like, well, they have to. We have to cut them up because we'll scare kids I think it was. Away. I think it was a publisher decision. Like either the publisher didn't want them as fantasy, but said we can do them as YA, or or like if she has an agent, um, the agent couldn't sell them as like adult fantasy, but then said maybe we can split them up and pitch them as a like a YA series. And that I mean, by them. the time these books were coming out, like Robin Hobb is was like an established pen name. Like people like bestsellers. People are she already had an audience. So I don't. For she'd me, already written like, nine books. Yeah, she'd already written nine books. So it's like, w- what was different about these? And I think, I think you're right. I think it was more like they're trying to like edge into the emerging YA market because it was like the mid. Well, also, yeah, but but also like when they were published might have made a difference um, because in in relation to the sort of like Kindle self publishing disruption mm-hmm. that happened. So I think um, there was a time when when traditional publishers were extra like cautious um about taking on anything that they they perceived as a risk and so a two book duology um that has a very different feel than any of the established books in her series feels risky but like a four book ya series maybe feel felt less risky because there was less competition in that market or you know whatever because it's it started happening at the same time that like brandon sanderson was also putting out ya fantasy stuff Mm -hmm. and uh, elizabeth hayden had her ya fantasy stuff at the same time and i just i feel like there was like a lot there were a bunch of established fantasy authors that were like trying to be like oh you guys like fantasy come read my stuff here's a Mm-hmm. here's like a ticket to ride you know like here's yeah. here's a way to get into my stuff although if you are new to hob and the first thing you re- you read are these i feel like yeah. that's confusing but yeah <laughs> we have someone that happened to right Alyssa, <laughs> <laughs> okay. did you still like them as much or did we ruin them the way we ruined live ship for you uh yeah i'm beginning to see a pattern <laughs> 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 This podcast is great. (laughs) No, I do. She's going to send in some fan mail that's just like, you guys ruined it all. (laughs) Maybe zero stars on Apple Podcasts. Um, (laughs) Don't do that. It makes me upset when people do that. I would never. I just tell my friends too. No, I'm just kidding. Um, This, like, reading different parts of the realm of the elderlings make me miss other parts. And I don't know if, like, 
it's a nostalgia complex where I'm reading Rainwilds and I wish we were reading Live Ship right now. All I can think about is Paragon. At, like, and then uh, we'll move on to something else and I'll be like, oh man, Elise is just the best. I wish we were reading about her. So, I, But while I'm reading it, like, I'm just kind of like, what is happening? So I'm not sure what's up with that. <laughs> yeah. I think also we read them slowly instead of you sitting and like reading through these books in like a two day, like in a weekend or something like a normal human being, we mm -hmm. read them in short bursts every week and then beat them to death every week. And I enjoy that. It is how I, it's like how I like to consume my media is to over consume it and then beat it to death. But <laughs> that maybe that's not your thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just want to. It's a little late that we're, you know, thirteen books into this. <laughs> or you I know, mean, taking, you're stuck now. Or, or taking like a very adult perspective um, to to analyze books that you read when you were y younger and maybe before, like you read books quite so critically, uh, can definitely change how you feel about them. Like that's happened <laughs> on some of the right. books we've read for RTFB, where I was like, oh. Love this book it's so great and then I'm, like we get to reading and i'm like oh god oh god i didn't remember this <laughs> oh no yeah I, I mean for me it's also like these hobbs books are they have the strength to i mean you know they they're so good and they have the, and they're so strong that we can come in here and kick the tables over and like point at something on the wall and say oh this is funny and you know generally just kind of be be the, you know the shitty chickens on paragon's death <laughs> it's us that's exactly us <laughs> who rescued right you? but we, <laughs> but, we st but it's still you know like uh, comes from a place of love it does it comes from a place of love and and to me I, i'm hoping that it's it's an entertaining kind of bit of levity for what is a fairly serious series <laughs> and um, you know, I, I like them. I, I, we get a lot of emails from people that are like, oh, the horny teenagers are annoying. I don't find that at all. But this is also, this could go back to my t extreme tolerance for YA stuff, where <laughs> people being stupid doesn't necessarily bother me as long as I'm entertained by it. <laughs> so. I mean, there were times I wanted to like punch tats in the face, but like, it's not, you know, I still enjoyed reading the book. <laughs> I wanted to mm -hmm. shake a lot of them quite frequently, just be like, oh my god. <laughs> but I imagine that's how it would, what it would be like to be around real live teenagers all the time, too. I so. was glad Gref's didn't last that long, you know. Yes, yes. And I, I wish that we had a little bit more of Elise and a little bit more of Selden. Maybe not mm -hmm. like torture Selden, but like yeah. adventure Selden. If we uh, actually yeah. got to see him before like he was turned on. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. I did like the part in the chapter I did where uh, Althea was like, I still think of him as that, like, seven or eight-year-old. I'm like, so do we, so do we know what his age is. <laughs> yeah, because How even with... Is he 12 now? That four oh, to 13-year-old. No, because <laughs> <laughs> even with all of this story about Selden that we got, we really didn't get much story about Selden. <laughs> I'm like, is he like 15 or 16 now? Like, how old is he? I, I think don't he's like understand. 27. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I think he's around mid to late 20s, just based on the age of um, Malta, because she was, you know, four or five, like what, like four years older than him, and she's now 
in at the, at the end of her twenties, if not into her thirties, based on how much time has passed. Oh, Night Eyes has been dead for so long. Let's not talk about it. Oh, I get sad every time somebody reblogs that drawing on Tumblr. <laughs> Aww. That's the timeline. It's pre-Night Eyes, during Night Eyes, post-Night Eyes. Um, I'm going to move us into our every episode prompts if we're, if we are, yeah, good. Yeah, right. I feel complete. Let's pair them. Right. Flip right this be my, Sorry. yes, <laughs> this be my crew, character introductions and exits. Well, technically, everybody's I was gonna say, exit, it's a hard but, exit for everybody. Uh, but, like, the real exits the are bye-bye, Duke yeah, of Chalced, bye-bye, Chancellor Ellick. You will not be missed. Uh, shady Business Adventures, who is being shady? I mean, Tintagli is being a little shady, but other than that. <laughs> <laughs> we hope I mean, Callum you know. is not being shady. Because that would right? be super shitty to be like, oh, no, I won't go stomp your uh, your yeah. eggs. I mean, <laughs> he will next time when they have more, when they're not. Yeah, when it's not like, yeah. <laughs> he reserves the right to stomp. <laughs> I mean, he's still being shady about eating Hest, but, you know. True. <laughs> he's just not giving energy where energy doesn't need to go. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, what a tangle. What are the dragons doing? Having sex. A lot of it, and it's <sighs> terrible. Disgusting amounts of sky sex. The sky mm. sex. It's always sky sex. You know, someone, write, someone write me a dragon that just has sex like every other cow. <laughs> <laughs> we already got that scene, and it was super gross. <laughs> when Centaur was like, oh my god, no, this deformed like <laughs> idiot is trying to hump me from behind. I'm not... <laughs> I'm not okay with this dragon. Right, like, back, I'm not a back cow. Back when they were, like, mud dragons. Right, yes. yeah. What if they all stayed serpents oh. and never touched? I think I might have liked it better. I think I liked sea serpents. I actually can't wait for there to be more sea serpents. Yeah, again. yeah. The serpents were uh, badass. I think the serpents are superior to the dragons. Well, I think there's been serpents running, ro- roaming around the whole time because not all of them came. Like some of them were too feral and too far gone. Oh, I think um, those assholes true. are dead. But, but I want the singing ones. I want the ones that like Nessie yeah. up I and know. like sing to the yeah. sky. Green, green serpent. Oh, I, I still miss him. And how cool was it that Moby Dick got a fucking shout out, like name drop, like name that that ship named after him. That was awesome. Oh, this takes me to boats. Why are they great? Except for the stupid boats that aren't actually live ships. But they got dragon names. names. And one of them was (laughs) good. Trying to stealth them into the okay category. No, they're imposter boats. (laughs) Boats don't like chickens. That's what we learned. (laughs) Live ships don't don't shit on live ships. That's that's what we learned. Paragon loves Boyo so much that he heard that they might take him away from his decks. And he's like, I'm going to roll you into the ocean and drown you, too. Bring him back. Where was was that passion when they gave him that name? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I think Paragon was Paragon's idea. Yeah. Paragon. Didn't they name him Paragon? Oh my god! Didn't didn't they name the child Paragon too? No, it's the same par- There is a Paragon. Though, that's isn't there? that's Kenneth's son. Kenneth's kid. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Who they just <sighs> call Kenneth'son because that's right. creative. It, yeah. Well, because two Paragons is. is 
confusing. Yeah, yeah it's like having two son. Matthews or two Peters. <laughs> <laughs> you just be like Lord of the Rings and just call him Paragon, son of Kenneth. I'm gonna start needing. I've I've gotten to the point where I I'm starting to need uh family trees. Yeah, I was good, and like I've reached a critical mass where my brain can no longer figure out who's married to who, who's, you know, whose parents are who, whose cousins are who. Yeah, we need to see how uh, Leftrin actually fits into the Cooper's family tree. Right. Right. That would be interesting. Um. Dismantling the patriarchy, badassery, animal husbandry, and expired fashions from Jamalia. We have well, a speaking duchess. Of not dismantling the patriarchy, though. She's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna keep continuing the same shitty Chelsea and culture because we can't change too much too soon. A little bit of internalized misogyny, upholding the yeah. patriarchy happening there. A little disappointing. A little disappointing. Yep. I still think she'll make some improvements for the women of Chelsea. I have faith. Yeah, I mean, it'll definitely be better, and I do kind of respect the strategy, because too much change too soon could just, like, lead to everybody uh, rioting and mutinying. What what, what is that called when it's not on a ship? A revolution. There we go. I mean, at least she just, like, killed the people that were doing things wrong and didn't just, like, take their families hostage and hold that over them forever. And torture them and force them to do horrible things. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's true. Um, we've got a lot of dragon uh, breeding happening, which has always been the goal. Yep. And bird bird breeding. We've got a new. There could be a new Kelsingren, uh strain of bird. Are they going to call the it the Cedric? <laughs> Only if they have copper scales. They're gonna they're gonna be called Revenge Body. I thought we established. <laughs> <laughs> Can the birds get scales? Yeah, oh, yeah. Th- those birds are gonna turn into like tiny dragon pigeons. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Little dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah, like those lizards that have like the gliding wings. You know, mm. that's what they'll look like. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it. Thanks for reading the Rainwilds Chronicles. Yeah. Yeah, so. and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and, and duck out um, before and not say for spoilers because I have that thing to get back to. So, all right, let me do the sign out. So, reminder yeah. for our next reading section, uh, we will be dropping uh, some of the short stories in mid July and then mid August. We will not be back with uh, the Fits and the Fool trilogy until mid September. So, this has been Buckkeep Radio. You can email us at buckkeepradio at gmail and let us know if we can read your email on air. I'm Rachel. And you can find me everywhere on the internet at Darth Rachel. I'm Alyssa, and I'm online at AlyssaMaynard.com. I'm Jenny. You can find me at FacelessFray on Instagram. I'm Eli, and you can find me at ChewyBreadCosplay. I'm Ashley, and I'm on Instagram at LadyBirdParker. I'm Elena. You can find me at MothElena. Okay, next up is spoiler time. We did it! We did it! We did it! Hooray! I'm gonna go stick my head in the freezer. Oh, goodbye! (laughs) (laughs) Alright, y'all, talk to you later. I will keep the spoiler sections short. Yes. Um, I just want to know what's in the email. (laughs) Yay! Email!
email from Yetta. Okay, so here's the spoiler part. And I, I apologize, this is a little bit long, but um, Yetta is much more eloquent than me, so I just want to make sure that this is adequately communicated to you. All right. So Yetta says, I have been apprehensive of reading ahead because I know what's coming and I am not ready for this journey to end. I came up with a theory probably a month ago that I haven't been able to fully figure out, but I'd like to hear your thoughts as you kind of touched on it in this last week's episode. This will get very spoilery. I think that maybe the fool didn't change the world for the better. I know that's harsh because we all love the fool, but hear me out. The trope of time being circular is pretty prevalent in the series. I believe in the first trilogy, the fool touched on it. And he says that whites are meant to push the world in a new groove. And if that doesn't happen, the world will spiral deeper into darkness. The fool thinks that by bringing back the dragons, they help the world into the new groove to prevent it from spiraling. And I just think that the same things are happening now, similar to what happened before. We have seen dragons that did not have access to all their their ancient memories, who didn't have a reliable source of silver until the Edderlings got the well working again. And now, uh, now I put reliable in brackets because I think that if silver is in the ground, then there might be trace amounts in the fauna and therefore in the beasts that the dragons eat. And if it's trace amounts, it might be enough to keep them alive, but not enough to give them memories or the power to do the upkeep on their Elderlings or that kind of stuff. Besides that, there's also the whites. And they go into, um, Yetta goes into the whites and about Prilkop and about how the fool is uh, part of that kind of wild line of whites where they had gone off because some of them had kind of seen their extinction, inevitable extinction. So the great changes that Fitz and the fool wrought upon the world, what did they actually change? They just reset the cycle. So what do you guys think about that? I, I have a thought. What is your thought? So my thought is that this kind of depends on what you define breaking the cycle to be, because the cycle could be either entropy, the end of everything, or that the wheel keeps on turning. Not necessarily that the wheel turns in a different spoke. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. yes, Calcingra and the well of silver and returning the dragons to essentially just what they were before and the whites kind of doing their their thing and that's all happened before it's all very circular but the alternative to that is that none of it happens and everyone just kind of goes extinct so is that is it is is the mission to make everything better than it was or to just keep time turning Probably both, but if the alternative is that nothing exists, then I guess keeping it going is better. Right, I mean, this this sort of builds off, I think, a throwaway comment that I made about how, like, the fool, like, maybe the fool was wrong, or, like, the fool thinks that they're, like, saving the world, but did they really save the world, or did they just make everything more complicated? But more complicated is, in this instance, I guess, is good, because to make a dune reference the more possibilities the better instead of there being only one possibility for the future i feel like i need exact like lines from the fool and like what the fool believed they were doing because all i hear 
is I gotta bring dragons back and I don't remember really the <laughs> justification for it or like the reasoning behind it or the, the big the big 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 picture that so Yetta cites um it says Prilkop has taken what is left of the whites and is taking them into the world to start their own civilization again I think that when they they will this starts the cycle again in this in this cycle, B can either never have children and her line will end, or she is the continuation of the Wild Whites line. And that is open to, you know, a lot of possibilities. But I certainly don't think that the story is over. I think that what we get over and over and over again with Tintaglia, Amarinda, Althea, all these characters who are part of uh lines of actions and choices and and even bloodlines they're not they're not the only part of the story and the conclusion to their story is not the conclusion of the story and so i think b is definitely the next part of the story it maybe maybe really what the fool's purpose is is to make sure that b existed to make sure that b existed in a world where she can do whatever it is she's going to do, which obviously has to do with dragons. <laughs> I would ass- I would assume. Perhaps. I think that's a great conjecture. Whenever you get in that next trilogy, Robin Hood. If you stop writing as oh, Megan yeah. Lindell, maybe we'll find out if you emerge from your <laughs> warehouse. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is... Uh, well, that's not happening. It's like a thousand degrees there now, but that was like last week. Right? Yeah, the, she the shot of Instagrammed. The, the weird way. Yeah. <laughs> but she was out on a boat for a hot second there, too. So that's got to be inspiring. All the boats became dragons. Which is still weird. That is so weird. Yeah. We're, we're going to have to figure out how that exactly... <laughs> how that I'm trying to decide if after reading this book if I'm like more okay with that than I was before because like we've seen the effect of drinking or of like licking a tiny bit of silver has on spit so like if if they had enough silver if you convince a boat to be a dragon right I don't know I mean that the I think that the the this the silver is possibility right because now how come nobody be... had to stand on like the deck and be like you can do it paragon you're a dragon you can do it you're so beautiful you're the most prettiest <laughs> most glorious <laughs> all right there's two of you you're both beautiful <laughs> so pretty <laughs> all four of your wings <laughs> so distinct and not together at all yeah, I don't. <laughs> One, sometimes I feel that over-explaining your magic system can be a mistake. And I think Hobb feels that way because she has never <laughs> limited herself by saying, this is how my magic system she works. She is not Brandon Sanderson. No, not in at all. <laughs> and it's great because it does make things, again, possibility, right? Nothing is predictable. She... She does authorial, you know, telegraphing so that you can, and foreshadowing, and that's fine. But she, you're never going to get to the end and think, 
well, I knew this was going to happen the whole time because anything could happen because the magic has no limits. It's however she kind of needs it to work or wants it to work. I mean, I honestly kind of prefer the vagueness over over explaining. Mm, same. Yeah. Which is why I think that to get back to what Yetta said, I, 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 I think that it is incorrect to boil it down to the fool did not succeed or the fool did not make the world better. I think what the fool wanted to do was increase the possibilities so that there could be more more chances for a good future for everyone. Well, I and think I think one white is not one white prophet is not responsible for like fixing the world. It's just nudging it on a better path. Right, and we have we kind of still are shaky on the assumption that every generation has a slayer, right? Like every ge- there's <laughs> only one white prophet. Like that was kind of the conflict between the fool and the pale woman, but really like there're probably we know that there are other whites and that they all have their own powers and that they all can see the future. But it's the catalyst and I kind of feel like we've had multiple examples of many catalysts and it's just that the fool chose fits to be their catalyst versus you know any of these other characters that definitely could have been catalysts so like a malta or an althea or paragon even or or kenneth or like all these characters that had very key roles and could ha- could have done some like big moves and i mean did do big moves but not like into into the particular groove that the fool was steering for which is the resumption of this kind of dragon silver cycle so i don't think it'll happen exactly the same as it did before but Sometimes you get a do-over. Maybe this is the do-over. It depends on how long the cycle lasts. Like, if it goes faster this time, maybe they'll remember more. Well, right, but I also think that the fact that they lost so much is key. Because if you remember, Telator says, oh, well, even Telator pasted other people's personalities on top of himself so that he could learn stuff, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And they can't really do that anymore. And that's probably a good thing because then they get to make their own choices. They don't just make the same exact choices that everyone in the past made. Except for rap school. Right. They don't have a manual anymore. But everyone's just like, let's ignore rap school because he's not. Right. Because rap school is annoying and nobody likes it. And it's. Although he is instrumental in getting the silver to the boats, isn't he? He, like, finally yeah. changes his mind, and then he's like, Silver, I will get you the silver, it'll be great, he be said so. Yeah, yeah, but that that's also, again, more proof to, I think, the point I'm making is that you're not lockstep, lockstep with the past. You can have all the same variables and come out with different, mm-hmm. you know, a different future. Anyway, thanks for that email, Yada. Yeah. Stuff to ponder as we move into our last, our last trilogy. Time to cry. Time to cry. Yeah, at least these books didn't make me cry. 
No. <laughs> yeah. The Raid Wilds, not the next trilogy. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't crying over Tats and Thymara. It's it's interesting and like thought provoking, but yeah, not an emotional punch. I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed them. I just wasn't yeah. like crying for four hours, which is fine. <sighs> All right, I'm. Are we good? Yeah. Yep. Yes. Let's All turn right. on fans. Woo. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Bye.